Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on this very special spooky episode for spooky. Halloween, we're going to be talking about one of the spookiest attractions whose story actually takes place on Halloween Day. It's the Tower of Terror over at Hollywood Studios. Wow, I wanted to guess. As if I don't know. I was going to say you should know. So. About- <laughs> yeah, this is our Halloween episode this year. We're a day early. It's coming out a day early, but the backstory of Tower of Terror takes place on Halloween Day, so we thought we would take a little bit of a deeper dive into uh, a classic Disney attraction. Holy alliteration. I didn't even mean to do that. It just came yeah, out that way. I mean, wow. I'm a poet, and, and then, I don't even know it. And then you even got deeper dive. I mean, like, you had so many T's and D's. Wow. Dotting my I's and crossing my T's. There we go. All right. But before we get into that, let's cover the Disney news of the week. So last week there was no news. And then I feel like this week Disney media team realized all the news. Wait, we didn't announce anything last week. So we need to make up for lost time and announced a bunch of stuff. So over at Shanghai Disneyland, the new Zootopia land, we have an opening date there. That is going to be December 20th of 2023. So we are only a few months away from that. Looks great. I mean, they they showed some pictures oh, of yeah. like the streets and everything. That looks like that's going to be a really fun land to be in. It looks like they also... You know, it's very, uh, like, the facades are very grand. It reminds me of, like, much of Universal. Like, I feel like Disney hasn't done, like, very grand facades. It's it's kind of like the old, um, like, streets of New York and Hollywood Studios. Like, you're, you're really going to get enveloped in that space there. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. And then I, like, I was a big fan of, like, they have some animatronics of some of the various characters that were there. I mean, it just looks absolutely incredible um and yeah i completely agree with you because whenever i was looking at it i was like wow these like buildings are so immersive it makes it you feel like you're actually there and it it is reminiscent like you said of universal yeah 100 percent. and then another opening internationally the new fantasy springs expansion over at tokyo disney sea is going to be opening june 6 2024 they must be pretty confident about that because it's almost a year out i mean zootopia they're only announcing that two months in advance uh, versus Fantasy Springs. That's going to be at June of next year. I can't wait to see this. Tokyo Disney in general just is phenomenal in their level of detailing um, and what they do with the rides. Disney Sea is on another level. So I can only imagine how great Fantasy Springs is going to look. I mean, if you're waiting for a sign to plan a trip internationally, especially to Tokyo Disney. I think this is your sign to plan something for next year uh, (laughs) after June 6th because Fantasy Springs, I think, is just going to blow everything out of the water. Yeah, I definitely would love to get in, you know, Japan and maybe while we're over on that part of the world, go to Shanghai and check out... Two uh, for one. Yeah, get a a two for... And then we might as well hit up Hong Kong just while we're at it. They are getting the new Frozen Land. Yeah, exactly. Just got to see all all the new lands because we're not going to ever have anything new in Walt Disney World ever again, it feels like. <laughs> um, and then for the Disney treasure, they revealed that there's going to be a Haunted Mansion parlor lounge. So I think this is uh, on the Wish. There's the Hyperspace Lounge, which is themed to Star Wars. So I think this is kind of like in the same uh, space. So it's kind of a smaller lounge, but uh, on the treasure, it's going to be themed towards Haunted Mansion. I don't know. Part of me feels like I, I can't keep this stuff straight so whenever this was announced i was like oh that's cool they're, they're showing some more details about this but i don't think they ever officially announced that there was going to be a haunted mansion bar on the ship before like i feel like sometimes there's so much disney news i can't remember 
if Disney's already announced it uh, or not. And this is just like additional details, but I think this is new. Um, so everybody was very excited about this. It looks great. The Donald chair apparently has found a home. It's they, they took it from the Haunted Mansion in Disney World and they put it on the ship. I kind of feel like they need to have it behind a rope because I feel like it's going to get messed up yeah like hopefully they have like a hundred of these things because i feel like people are going to sit on it and it's just going to have uh wear and tear Um, but what i loved is they're calling the non-alcoholic drinks they're calling the non-alcoholic drinks sympathetic libations which i think is great which is spot on spot on i mean this just looks so classy from beginning to end it's on it's like a continuously running show so it loops so there's not a um, like you don't have to come in and at set time Well, because it's a lounge. I mean, it's basically, yeah. you, you know, you go get something to drink, something to eat, but y- yeah. It's- right. It's it just, it sounds really interesting and it's going to be again, like an addition to the story. So, I mean, I think this is going to be super popular. I think it's gonna be really hard to get in. Yeah. I mean, the hyperspace lounge on the wish is extremely difficult to get into because it's a small space. It doesn't hold a lot of people. So I feel like this is going to be the same way, but it, it's interesting because, you know, you have like levels of the fandom and I feel like, getting excited over a bar theme to an attraction, not even like a movie or an IP. This isn't Marvel or anything. This is just an original Disney attraction. That's like the deepest level of fandom because I feel like people went nuts over this. I was like, I want to be on the ship now. Like I, I really had no desire necessarily to take a cruise yeah. on the treasure. But when I saw this, I was like, I need to go on this ship. I need, when can I book? I, I need to be in the haunted mansion bar. Yeah. I want to go hang out on the ship. It sounds awesome. Yeah, for sure. And then probably what was the most confusing headline of the week? <laughs> it's Disney is bringing back Enchantment. And I think we all collectively went, what? What are you talking about? Um, but w- reading further past the headline uh, is that for the after hours events at Magic Kingdom in 2024. So like they have, they announced, you know, after hours nights from January through April select nights, they're going to be showing enchantment as part of that event. So happily ever after is not going anywhere. That's still going to show nightly. But if you're going to one of these after hours events, you can actually see both shows. So you could go early and see happily ever after, and they're going to be showing enchantment during these shows. So I think that's cool. It's a nice way to have another fireworks show. Those are always big draws, especially in these you know, after hours events to kind of pull people back to the middle. And, you know, that way they're not just showing happily ever after twice. Um, you can kind of see a different show and maybe people will start to like enchantment again and uh, they can kind of rework it. I don't know. I mean, is it going to make it seem worse or better seeing it that close to happily ever after? Well, I, I actually, yeah, I think that, that would be really fun to kind of be able to compare and contrast. Yeah, the Within two. a few hours, you'll be able to see both of them. Right. And I think it's just going to prove that just the utter superiority of happily ever after. I think so, but it's cool. I mean, another, another fireworks show. It's, it's a nice thing to it's have. It's a bonus. So yeah, this the, is, this yeah. is good. I think that, I but it was really funny scrolling through their comments because people were freaking out because they only well, read the, yeah, the headline was like enchantments coming back and I said I even was like what are you talking about like I had to like look at the article because it made no sense I'm like wait why is happily ever they after just can't be going away yeah ever after back we just went through all of this yeah but I mean it was it was like at the very top and then the next paragraph on their like release on Instagram at least where I saw it it said right there that it was for the after hours events only a hundred percent all right so let's jump into our main topic talking the tower of terror oh man more alliteration so beautiful and and most of this is based on the walt disney world version but 
as we kind of talk about the history, we'll talk about some of the other versions as well. And a lot of this comes from the book A Magical Half Century by Christopher Smith. We actually interviewed him a couple years ago, so go check out that episode if you're interested. Uh, but he wrote a book about the 50 years of Walt Disney World, and there's a whole chapter about the Tower of Terror in here. And there's a lot of stuff that I, I didn't know, so I thought it was really interesting. thought we'd kind of do a bit of a deep dive, um, you know, pulling some information from the book. Uh, as well as you know some other sources. But as I kind of mentioned at the top of the show, the incident that takes place in the Tower of Terror. And so again, this is now specifically the Walt Disney World one because California is no longer yeah. Tower of Terror or Twilight Zone. You know, Tokyo's not Twilight Zone. Um, I guess Paris you know, may still potentially be because that's Twilight Zone. Um, but it takes place on Halloween 1939. So, you know, kind of right on cue here with our Halloween episode kind of all ties in with some beautiful synergy um, as well. But <laughs> going back to the origins of Tower of Terror, Hollywood Studios opens in 1989 and it, it does well, but it's very much like a half date park. There's not necessarily a ton to do there. And, you know, Michael Eisner, we've talked about this. It's kind of like the expansion era. He's trying to turn Florida into a vacation destination, hence the third park, hence all the hotels. He's trying to get people to stay longer. So, you know, very quickly they decided they needed to expand Hollywood studios. They needed to add more attractions. They needed more stuff to do to keep people in the parks for a full day to kind of, you know, flush out what, what's going on in the, in the, in the parks there. Yeah. I, th I mean, I think this was a great idea. This is a really good concept. And I thinking about, you know, the time era, I mean, these kinds of rides were pretty popular. I know that our lo local theme park had a, like a, like one of those quick drop type rides, um, nothing like the tower of terror, but I mean, I know that they were pretty popular, but this one really, like has that staying power and then the story that they built around it is fantastic. Yeah. And before they settled on the twilight zone and this whole ride system, there was a couple different ideas that Disney went through. So one of the ideas was to have like that whole area of the park themed around Roger rabbit and it was going to be Roger rabbits, Hollywood. So the whole area was actually going to have multiple attractions themed for Roger Rabbit. So there's going to be a dark ride. They were looking at doing a simulator like Star Tours. Like once they came out with Star Tours, that could be a whole other episode we could do because once they invented like the Star Tours simulator, it basically became every ride after that. They're like, well, why don't we just do it like a Star Tours <laughs> simulator? Like the simulator rides became very popular. Well, it's like Universal in their, uh, and their particular rides. Well, that's true. You have like Transformers, you have Spider-Man. Spider yeah, they're all similar. Um, they ultimately, you know, obviously didn't make this one, but but that was the idea. Another idea was doing it based on the Dick Tracy movie, so Dick Tracy Crime Stoppers. That was going to be another simulator uh, ride, but that was actually going to be a simulator that then had like movement, so it could feel like it was going over terrain. So it was going to be hmm. like Star Tours, but have more movement to it, so it could feel like you were actually like driving um, over something. Oh, that sounds fun. Um, ultimately, both of those failed either due to creative issues and box office issues. You know, uh, Dick Tracy did not do that well at the box office. There Which was also is surprising considering the cast. Yeah, there was also a lawsuit over the rights with with Warren Beatty. But yeah, this movie, I feel like we need to watch this because looking this up, the cast was absolutely stacked at who was mm -hmm. in this movie. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you have Warren Beatty, who we mentioned, Al Pacino, Madonna, Dustin Hoffman. Then you have appearances by Catherine O'Hara, James Caan, and Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, just absolutely stacked in, in terms of a cast here. So I can see why Disney had high hopes for this movie and that they thought it was going to do well at the box office because, again, um, a lot of really famous people. I mean, Madonna, that was kind of like the height of her popularity too, having Madonna in a movie. Um, but it did not do that well at the box office. And again, with creative issues, that ultimately you know did not move forward. They also looked, I think this is pretty well known, that um, Disney was looking at potentially doing something with Mel Brooks. And so the idea was that it was going to be a Mel Brooks hotel. So was it like a comedy, like a history of the world or? Well, yeah. So it was going to, it was, there was a couple like variations of it. So like one I saw was going to be based off of his movie, young Frankenstein and kind of have like that Mel Brooks comedy to it. The other one, and this kind of fit in with the studios theme is the idea is that you are going to be on a, a movie set. So again, it kind of fit in with the theme of Hollywood studios filmmaking. Um, but that, um, Mel Brooks was shooting a movie, but he had it in a real haunted hotel. As you go through this, you know the spirits come alive, and and that's what causes kind of the calamity in the ride. Oh, okay. I was gonna say because this would be really funny if he went to shoot a movie and he was trying to be funny, and then the hotel just happened to be haunted. Because that would that would make an interesting point in the storyline. Well, yeah, I think that's the idea. He's he's shooting a movie. It's it's an actual haunted hotel. Um, and that's that's kind of driving the story. There also was a version where there was you were gonna have to solve a murder mystery throughout the ride, so that there's gonna be like clues in like the queue and through the ride and everything that you were gonna then somehow have to solve this. And I think Disney kind of scrapped that idea because they didn't want to have like a murder be part of a ride. Like it's not as family friendly. Not that like Twilight Zone and everything is maybe kid friendly, but I think that was just like a step too far. And also how is that going to work that you're trying to solve a murder during a ride that takes place over like a couple minutes? The only way that this could work is if they made it so hard that every time you wrote it, you would have to try to pick up on a new clue so that you could put it together. Cause otherwise no, that would be worse. I was thinking the opposite. You have to make it so easy that you know, that you can catch the clues because why would you want it to be no, so difficult? Because then there's no rewritability. If you know who did the did the deed, then why would you ever need to really write it again? Because it's fun. You know, Tower of Terror, that all those people disappeared, and you're going to go up and down in an elevator, but you still ride it. I mean, one of these, it it still feels scary enough that I may join them, actually. Yeah, I feel like if you went and the storyline is a murder mystery and you have to solve it and it's so difficult to solve, people are going to be frustrating and be like, you're not going to get the story at all. Like, you need you need to have a story, something that you have, have to actively solve and determine. I feel like that's that's part of the problem. It's like, how are you going to do that in, again a three or four minute ride, I think you'd have a lot of frustrated people there. I see what you're saying to try to get people to come back, but I feel like, I feel like there's just a lot of issues with making that work correctly. I think that maybe 
that time frame. So very much like Mel Brooks and uh, was very much, you know, 90s, like early 90s. And that would have been really, really popular. I feel like the murder mystery thing would be very popular now because people have the like to catch a killer boxes that you can get. And well, and I feel um, like murder podcasts are big. That's not the right ride system for it. I feel like it would do better if you had like a something like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway oh, Railway, yeah. where it's it's slower. It's a trackless ride. To your point, you can go into a room and there's clues everywhere. And so then you want to go back again because maybe this time of the ride, you look at the right side of the room versus the left side. I mean, Tower of Terror, you're moving so fast. How are you going to pick up any clues? No, that's part. That is part of the exercise. You have to have eagle eyes and the ability to just stabilize in the dark. It's basically all in the dark. Yeah. You also have to be part cat. All right. It's night night vision. (laughs) You're going to have people wearing night vision goggles. (laughs) And then they fly up in the air and smack somebody else in the face. Filming with like slow motion cameras and stuff. They'd have to have all these bands. Like you can't bring your AV equipment on the ride. Yeah, this... This on no, a lot getting, of levels. It's getting so much better. I'm starting now. To, I really see now why Disney did not go this path. <laughs> because yeah, the, the a lot a lot of issues here, uh, especially in the early nineties. What's interesting is you know, you mentioned free fall drop rides, like a lot of other amusement parks have them. And this was actually something Disney was looking at for Disneyland Paris. So again, they're 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 looking for something at Hollywood Studios. They're kind of talking to a lot of different people. You know, they're looking at dark rides, different things. But then over at Disneyland Paris, they were looking at a free fall ride. This was going to be in Frontierland, and it was going to be called Geyser Mountain, and it was going to be a roller coaster free fall where it sounds like it was a roller coaster, but then you were you were going to be shot up a vertical shaft. So that was going to be like the free fall element of it. Not sure how all of that would have worked and pieced together, but I guess, you know, hence the name Geyser Mountain, something you hit a geyser maybe and it shoots you up uh, in Mm. the air. Um, But that would have been something quite interesting. But with Disneyland Paris's economic issues when it first opened, they obviously decided not to put more money into it and build that ride. But since they were kind of developing, you know, a free fall ride, they were looking at these drop rides. They ultimately decided to do that at Hollywood studios. And I think that's kind of when they started looking, like we talked about with Mel Brooks, it was going to be a hotel, something like that's where they started getting the hotel idea, the free fall ride. And then once Mel Brooks fell through, they decided to go with a twilight zone as their theme for the, the tower of terror there. Interesting. I do kind of wonder, okay, just to play in this, the sandbox just a little bit longer. Haunted mansion strikes this interesting balance between humor and um scary so i almost do wonder if mel brooks if it had gone that route what they would have ended up with because maybe they looked at that and said oh well the haunted mansion does well because it's like in between so if we can do something else that's in between it might be popular although i don't know that was the haunted mansion always as popular as it is now because i feel like it's gotten yeah, super massive i feel like it's, it's definitely gotten uh bigger in popularity i will say they they were trying to go on a haunted mansion esque like they they wanted something a little bit darker but they also wanted this to be a little bit more thrilling i think they were trying to gear this towards teens again this this is the time you know michael eisner you know his kids are telling him yeah i don't want to go to disney there's nothing for me to do and so 
you know, they build the scariest attraction they've ever done an alien encounter and frighten and give kids nightmares. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the commercial gave me nightmares for it. I never even I rode sw- the actual attraction. When I, when I, you were traumatized eyes. when i close my eyes at night and sometimes i feel breath stirring the hair on the back of my neck i jump out of bed screaming <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i don't know if that's ever happened i guess i sleep through that well um, you would sleep through a train going through a room so I, I, believable indeed, indeed i would so so yeah so they were going for you know something a little bit darker a little bit more thrilling you know even twilight zone i i've I've never really watched the old Twilight Zone episodes, um, but we'll get to this in a little bit, like some of the details and nods to the Twilight Zone and some of the episodes. But the original Twilight Zone, it sounds it sounds cool. Like I mm. I'm not a big person into like very scary movies. Like I don't watch like horror or scary movies, and I've always thought of the Twilight Zone as something like scary, but it's very much more. It's kind of like Black Mirror is now, where it's it's scary in that it's it's kind of like a an odd twist on reality and not necessarily like frightening in all aspects it kind of makes i think i watched a couple episodes um i don't know when i did this but i definitely have some like recollection of watching some of this but it does remind me very much of like a like a ray bradbury kind of story almost like fahrenheit 451 what if firemen actually started fires like it's it's just yeah that's like toying with reality as we know it a little bit and changing it and so it becomes like it kind of makes it a little dystopian in that effect so yeah it has like that cool eerie like ray bradbury poish sort of feel to it edgar Allan poe would have been a good theme for oh, the haunted mansion so good poe hotel oh that would have been good disney needs to do that isn't How- he in the public domain now Oh, 100%. All well, right, he Disney. is because look at, this. look at Wednesday. My kids, I wore a Nevermore shirt today, and my kids asked me if go. it was from Wednesday. 100%. Had to ex- educate them on that Love one. It's from Wednesday. But you mentioned the Haunted Mansion. Interesting connection with the Tower of Terror and the Haunted Mansion. So the uh, child actor who is part of the ride's pre-show is voiced by Kat Cressida, who also voices Constance Hatchaway in the Haunted Mansion. So she voices both of those characters on both those rides. I don't understand this because how can she have a child's voice, but then all, you said she's a child actor. Yeah, the the child. So who's voicing so the she's child? An, she's Okay, so so you mean the full-grown woman actor who voices the child. Who voices the child. Okay. Yeah, who voices the child in the rides pre-show also voices Constance Hatchaway. Okay. So a fun little connection there. All right, so... A all, piece of trivia. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I didn't know that. So that's... On your next Disney trivia day, you can uh, remember that name and, and you'll be good to go. Tower of Terror ultimately opens in 1994. It opens July 22nd, 1994. And this is another fun fact. This is something I did not know. That when it opened, it actually only had one drop. So it was just a straight kind of free fall drop ride. Now, you are falling faster than a free fall because they have like the giant motors that um, pull you down faster than a free fall. I looked this up. According to Wikipedia, the motors are 12 feet tall by 35 feet long and weigh 132,000 pounds. So imagine, I mean, that's basically like the size of like a first floor of like a house. I mean, it's like a bus, you know, 35 feet by 12. I mean, that's how big these motors are that are powering the elevators uh, in there. Just, I was amazed that they were that big. Okay, so 
maybe you, you since your memory is better than mine, and I, I just thought that this made you made me think about it. Wasn't there like some story about how Disney went to like the elevator company? I, it might have even been Otis, and just well, yeah, because they're yeah, because they they basically yeah had to go to the elevator company and say we want this to fall faster than an elevator should. And they're like, so you want a broken elevator, kind of? Yeah, exactly. Like take all the you know the safety things that prevent elevators from falling. Because it actually it actively pulls it down, so it's not it's not actually a free fall. You're actually getting pulled down faster. Somehow that's scarier. Yeah, faster than uh, you would if if you just had a free fall, which is what gives you that weightlessness um, in there. But yeah, they basically had to have them like make these motors. But they're they're huge motors, and that, I can see why as they replace them, um, it's definitely involved because that's quite a piece of machinery. But yeah, interesting. It only had one drop. Um, for the first few years in 1996, a second drop was added. So then it had two, uh, and then it wasn't until, uh, 1999 that we got a third one. And then it wasn't until 2002. So a full eight years after it started that it actually became the randomized version we had today. And it's interesting that the ride was that popular. Cause I feel like why I love it so much to your point is that like randomness, you know, like you don't right. know what's going to happen. That's what gives it the rewritability is yeah. it's going to be different every time. I feel like if you went on it and it was just one fall, it would be fun still. But I feel like you'd be like, I don't necessarily need to ride that every time because I, I kind of know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And I think a lot of those free fall rides, they seem to have disappeared. And I do think it's because they don't have that that randomness of you know going up and down and just yeah the anticipation is just killer on that ride um that moment where you know they're taking your picture and you know like the second that 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 or like the second before they take that picture they they drop you i mean the anticipation there is so real um it, i don't know it, it's just it's the scariest ride i think in Walt Disney World. I mean, it, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. Cause then, and then you don't know after that. Yeah. Are you going to fall 10 feet? Are you going to fall away to the bottom? Are you going to go halfway yeah. down, bounce up, bounce down? So yeah. It's so, just one of those things where it's like you, it is so scary that it makes you feel alive. Right. And, and the randomness. So yeah, I, I find it interesting that, yeah, it took eight years to become fully randomized. I mean, even in 1999, so five years after, it had three drops, which I guess is getting a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that, that just with one drop, it still was very popular that, again, they kind of continued to tweak it and improve on it. You know, then ultimately we got some additional versions, which, which we'll touch on here in a minute, um, and some of the other parks because it was so popular. Uh, but yeah, that, that originally, I couldn't even imagine it not being kind of randomized like it is today, just well, being one drop. I can't imagine it not being there. You know, thinking about this ride not opening till you said, what, 94? Yes. Yeah. So. So five years after the park opened. Right. Like. Well, that whole area of the park. I mean, that that whole street was basically an expansion. That's why originally they they were going to do Roger Rabbit. Like that whole street was going to be Roger Rabbit and multiple rides over there. It's going to be Roger Rabbit's Hollywood. So yeah, I mean, ima imagine how small Hollywood Studios was. You don't have that whole side of the park. You basically just have the tram tour. You know, you don't have Galaxy's Edge there. Like it's it's tiny. It was MGM at the time, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah MGM um, Studio. So, but yeah, you're right. You can't you can't imagine not walking in, seeing that iconic tower there, and I again I can't and, imagine yeah, and, not being the version. It and is that's today. the park icon. One hundred percent. Well, you had I guess the old 
you had the Mickey hat and you had the water tower. You know, I guess the the like the water tower that was the icon before. You know, now it's now it's the tower, but the exciting water tower. No, the water tower was cool. The earful tower, I love that. And then you know, with with Imagineering, they always go into extreme level of detail, and they're always so worried about sight lines and how things look, and so much so that when they built this, they realized you're going to be able to see it from Epcot, and so the back side of the tower. That facade, the rear facade of it, is actually designed to blend into the Morocco Pavilion of Epcot. So not only is it built to blend in with the park it's in, it's also built to blend in with a park that it's not even in. And it's true. If you're ever in Epcot and you look over to Morocco, you see the buildings, you go, oh, okay, everything looks nice. And then you, if you really look, you realize, oh, that one building is the Tower of Terror all the way in Hollywood Studios because it's it's that level of detail built to blend in seamlessly it's like the um it's like the one light bulb in disneyland that's painted half white it's half white and painted half red oh that is that is mind-blowing that's <laughs> where's that that's on the end of main street yeah I think. yeah i think so yeah. yeah yeah it's at the um i think it's at casey's is it casey's corner yeah, yeah where they sh- have alternating red and white it's either that or the ice cream ice cream shop well, i think it's casey's i think it's yeah, yeah. i think it's across the street from the some ice cream of you guys shop. are screaming at us right now it's uh it's red and white alternating, and then in the corner, it didn't they alternate right. So they, they painted one half. Mind blowing. Go check it out again. You don't notice it until you really look at it. Um, but yeah, level level of detail is is absolutely on point. So as we mentioned, Tower of Terror extremely popular. So basically, like all of the other Disney parks, they were like, let's put one everywhere, and so they decided to build one at. Uh, Disney California Adventure, which was the new park they were building out there. They needed something there. The Studios Park at Paris. Again, it was it basically became a thing where we built these additional parks. There's not enough stuff here. People don't want to go to these parks. Let's add some stuff here. So they added mm-hmm. it to DCA. They added it to the, the Studios Park in Paris. And then um, Tokyo Disney were like, we want one too. And they put it in Disney Sea. <laughs> and I feel like that one, that is the nicest exterior of them all what they did at disney sea but they opened so dca opened in 2004 uh disney seas opened in 2006 and then paris didn't open until 2007 because they still had financial issues uh and it was built a little bit differently so it got it got pushed out a little bit until 2007 but disney decided to build them a little bit differently so that's why they're not exactly carbon copies of Walt Disney World. None of them have that fifth dimension scene. Where, they, you're, where you're traveling horizontally. You're not going up and down. Correct. Because the issue is, you know, everything in Walt Disney World, you start uh, in the load and then, yeah, you, you travel through the fifth dimension and then you move into the elevator shafts. And the problem with that is, um, like the way they engineered it, if they ever need to like fix one of them, it shuts down either like half the ride or you have to shut down the whole ride if there's a problem because of the way it crosses over. So they built them uh, with three towers instead of two, all the the new ones, and they are built independently so that they can easily take one tower offline for maintenance and not like shut down the whole ride and still have two towers. So they kind of use those lessons in designing the other ones, which is why they're all kind of the same and different from the Walt Disney World version. Well, and the, the best part about this is just the fact that 
it is the fact that they're all different. I mean, they are all a different story that, you know, um, I'm trying to think the Paris one, um, I think was pretty similar, but again, yeah, the Paris that, one doesn't have that fifth dimension. Scene. Yeah. The Paris ones was uh twilight zone. I mean, DCA's was twilight zone to start right. until it became guardians. Disney C was the only one that originally was never twilight zone. And that was because the twilight zone wasn't popular in Japan. And so they said, Nobody's going to know what this is. And so they came up with the original story of Harrison Hightower and the Hightower Hotel. And I believe that takes place on... I never realized how much... I mean, again, Harrison... Yeah, oh, Miles, alliteration. High, yeah. yeah, Hightower, Hightower Hotel. And I believe that one takes place on uh, New Year's Eve. I, I think you're there on like a, a New Year's Eve party. So it's like the uh, Explorers or an Adventure, the, the Adventures Club. Well, yeah, I mean, Harrison Hightower is a member of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, so that whole tie in there. But yeah, I believe he's inviting you in for like a New Year's party. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I believe there is like some holiday or party around there. But yeah, so that's the only one that was never originally or even now um, based on the, the Twilight Zone. But all the other ones were, but you're right, they never had that fifth dimension scene to them. So going back to the Walt Disney World version, so some of the details, again, talking about Imagineer and just the level they go to. And I feel like the tower of terror is in a class of its own to a certain extent. I mean, Imagineering always does well, but then there's certain attractions like, like the haunted mansion where they just, they put so much stuff in there that you just keep coming back and finding these little details. Yeah. And, and you can tell when like, they really like an idea. They just, they take it up to another level. They plus it. It reminds me of Expedition Everest. Like you, whenever you get into the queue in Expedition Everest, there's a lot of like yeah, there's a lot to see legitimate yeah. things. Like I'm pretty sure I've I've heard stories of how like Joe Rody was. Oh yeah, a lot of that's like his Nepal. stuff. Yeah, that's like he just and, collected that and brought yeah, it back. And, yeah, and like all of his things fill the lineup and make it seem very legitimate. Well, it's authentic. And, yeah, yeah, and authentic. Yeah, very and authentic. So it, yeah, it just adds like a certain level of specialness to it. Right. So starting in with the queue, and I I will admit I don't know that I ever saw these and if i did i don't remember but there are signs to places like there's a sign for the pool and a sign for the tennis courts and the stables um again just kind of building out that hotel again this is a hotel from the 30s old hollywood so you're gonna have things like pools and tennis courts so signs for that in the queue i'm gonna have to check for that next time we go because again i've probably seen them but don't remember but the other thing i thought was interesting and this is um from the book is that there's a sundial in the queue and it says it's kind of faded, but it says your next stop, the twilight zone. And it says minutes from this point and cast members can actually move the sundial to equate to the number of minutes you have left on your weight. Now I don't know that they do this all the time, but it was a cool feature that they built in there of like, Hey, you have 15 minutes to go from this point. If you looked at the sundial, um, again, I don't know that I kind of remember the sundial. I don't know that I've ever read the text around it, but that's what it says. And it's a cool feature that if the cast members want to do that, they can adjust that. That's fun. I like that idea. I don't know. I, I just, the hodgepodge of some of these things just, again, like just making it seem like it's, it's so, it's so curated. It, it is, it, it makes it seem very legitimate. Like even, you know, once you get inside and you see all of the things and I've, I've heard that all of that stuff is glued down because you, people like tried to like pick it up and touch it. Oh yeah. It. I mean in the lobby, I mean they, they have 
they added coffee stains and tea stains to the place settings to make it look lived in. They um they have a two champagne glasses and a, a diamond ring sitting there to show you that there was an engagement celebration when the night all of this crazy stuff happened in the hotel and well, these people just vanished and everything's kind of left here. Oh, okay. I was getting I was thinking there were there was a celebration and then a, a breakup. She left oh, it no. there. The, this thing, this though, is I think the craziest thing because I feel like my brain, if I was involved in this, I, I would not, I, I would like have anxiety over this. So there's a Mahjong game and they actually had expert players come in and play a game. And then at one point midway through, just told them to stop and walk away so that the game looked like people were playing so it was like a legit it looked legitimate and again that everything was kind of frozen i feel like if i am somebody you know who chess or cards whatever you're playing and you come in and people go okay stop middle of the game like my mind would just explode and be like no i have to finish this game i feel like okay i would agree to do this if one you paid me a whole lot of money or two you oh, you don't me- have to pay me anything no. because i could be like that's my I game. I did that. There. Okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, but but I'd have to go finish my it. Stipu- my stipulation would be: w- every move that we make, we need somebody doing a secondary game on the side, oh, doing yeah. all Get of the moves. Because yeah, I'd have to and go then, finish it. Yeah, we can finish the game on the side, but you have a legitimate. You know, I, I feel like thing. they're probably such expert players that they probably they probably just knew who was going to win anyways. They probably were like, okay, Don, you know, up five moves. Yep. Yeah, you had me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like that's how like chess players are. Like you can just play in your head, and you just know, like in the middle of the game, ah, I, you know, seven moves later, I'm done. Yeah. You know, so I feel like you could do that. But yeah, any of those strategy games like that, if somebody is so involved in them, you know, that level of focus seems kind of natural. It's I don't know. I couldn't handle it. I don't think. Hundred percent. So some of the nods to the Twilight Zone. So this is where again. I always thought of the Twilight Zone as something like scarier, I think, than it was. But there are a broken pair of glasses in there from Time Enough at Last. And the story of Time Enough at Last is Henry wants to read in peace. So he's tired of being bothered by people as he's trying to read. But then he becomes a sole survivor of a nuclear war. So he's finally alone to read, but then he breaks his glasses. So it's kind of, it's like irony. It's like the stories are like irony like this. Yeah, that's um, pretty funny. I mean, horrible, but f- kind of funny. Yeah, so the broken pair of glasses are in there. There's also a fortune-telling device from the episode Nick of Time. It's actually starring William Shatner. Um, Whoa. So uh, w- William Shatner there. Uh, William Shatner, sidetrack here, loves telling stories. Oh that guy gosh. can... What a storyteller. He is a great storyteller. We saw him at a convention once... And he just did, like, I feel like an hour off the cuff, he walked in and was like, what am I going to talk about today? <laughs> just went straight through and, and completely talked. wrapped up the story. He circled back to the beginning, he, tied it all in perfect for a little bit. You're like, where's he going with all this? And it just tied it in great. He talk, Love it. He talked about the environment and how important it is to him. He made it like, because he couldn't talk about, because he didn't want to talk about the... Uh, because of the strike Because and of the writer's strike. So he, but he talked about technology, the environment, technology, everything. the environment. It was funny because it was just like, he's like, I get to get be up here and talk about whatever I want. So yeah. here's what I'm going to talk about today. He should teach like uh, college courses because I feel like he's a great lecturer. Like it was just yeah. amazing. Back on track here though. So he's in the episode of Nick of Time 
and this fortune telling device is in there. So the the episode is William Shatner's character. There's a fortune telling device, and he's overcome by fear due to the accuracy of this device. So they're at like a dinner party, and I guess this device is so accurate in telling his fortune that he's basically just paralyzed with fear and cannot continue on because he's so worried about what this device is going to tell him. So that seems like an interesting one too. Um, and then there's a book titled To Serve Man. Um, so th- th- that's the name of the book, um, and it's in the library there. And it's from an episode of the same name. This one is is interesting. And again, cool twist with, with The Twilight Zone. Um, so this is an episode about aliens who come to Earth and ask humans to join them. They seem friendly. Everything seems cool. Humans go to join them. They have, uh, once the humans leave, once the aliens leave, the government has a cryptographer come in to decipher this book that the aliens left behind. And he determines that the title of it is called To Serve Man. And everybody thinks, all right, this is great. The aliens are here to serve us, to help us. But then he discovers it's a cookbook. And so it's To Serve Man. It's a recipe for cookbook. They're going to eat the humans phenomenal what a twist i mean that's a cool twist that you did not see coming that'd be a fun episode it's an interesting pun because of the word serve having multiple meanings and it does kind of call into question the fact that we have some we have so many words that have so many like double meanings that you would think that we would just invent other words so that they have separate meanings yeah and i think this plays on too of like everybody's fear that like aliens are going to come and just conquer us. But I feel like this is the most realistic depiction because if aliens are a super advanced species, they're not going to just come in and conquer us right away. They're going to befriend us and make it seem like they're cool. I'd be like, Oh, we're cool. Why don't you come with us and we'll show you all this technology. We'll help you out. And then twist. They were the villains all along. That's see, that's 40 chess move that the aliens are going to play. That's, that's some, not like War of the Worlds where they come in and eat us and then they get the flu. Like, they should have known that the flu was going to be there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, boy. These are the smart aliens in Twilight Zone. So, yeah, a lot of fun nods um, to the Twilight Zone in there. And then in the exit, again, this is another thing I have to check for. So, you're exiting through the hotel check-in, but there are carved pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns in the window of the gift shop. Again, a nod to the Halloween setting of huh. the story of the Tower of Terror. And looping us back in to Halloween. It is Halloween again. Maybe when you're listening to this, but if you're listening to this, the day comes out. Halloween is tomorrow. But maybe if you're a day behind, you're listening to it on Halloween. What a spooky coincidence that is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a really a, like a lot of great details. Um, and again, go check out Christopher Smith's book, A Magical Half Century, if you're interested uh, in learning more about the Tower of Terror or a lot of other interesting stuff about Walt Disney World and their 50 years. Um, We'll put a link in the description. And again, we interviewed him a few years ago when he had one of his other books out. So you can listen to that. But yeah, a lot of like really cool stuff I learned that I did not realize about the Tower of Terror before kind of like researching and diving into this episode. Yeah, I I think this is this is a lot of a lot of fun. Um, You know, I wish that I kind of knew a lot of this going in when we did the Tower of Terror run a couple years ago. I mean, I I think that I was still in my, eh, I don't really like that ride phase. I want to ride it again. This It's becoming now, and I think this is why Haunted Mansion is so popular. There's so many Easter eggs. There's so much lore behind it. You want to ride it and see it. I want to go now. I want to see the broken glasses. I want to see... You know the the champagne glasses 
and, and the coffee stains on the the placemats and all this sort of stuff. Like, I want to go now and like investigate what's happening in this ride. When do you think? Because the ta- I I feel like the haunted mansion is having its moment. Do you 100%. think whenever you know there's supposed to be a movie coming out about uh, the Tower of Terror? Terror yep. Do you think it's gonna that's gonna be the the Tower of Terror's moment? Like I feel like they're gonna have it's gonna have a moment. I feel like the Tower of Terror is very popular. Right, but I'm saying like they've so like Disney has so leaned in and capitalized on the popularity now of the haunted mansion and so i think this is so many shirts so many pieces of merch so i want to see i know there's not as many iconic characters and things this is the problem they need to change it i think as long as it is the twilight zone and it's a which is a cbs property that they license that disney does not own i don't think they ever fully lean into it as hard as they do Haunted Mansion or some of their original IP. Because Haunted Mansion, you're right, there's a ton of characters, but they own all of that. So now, you yeah. know, they can they can leverage that to the moon. You know, they can put it on their cruise ships. Everybody gets excited. Tower of Terror, you can do that, but when it's the Twilight Zone, it's hard to lean into it, I think, as much. Um, so I think they and there's been rumors that it's not going to be the Twilight Zone, that hey, the deal, because it's not a uh, the license isn't forever. They keep renewing it. You know that eventually that's going to run out. But I almost think like what you have at Tokyo Disney Sea, where it's based on an original character, an original story, and Harrison Hightower. I feel like Disney needs to do something like that first, and then they can really lean into it because you kind of have like the bellhops already. Yeah. You know a little bit, but outside of that, you're right. There's not any characters, so I think they would need to build like a little bit more of an original story before they really put like the full marketing engine behind it. But maybe like you said, with this movie, we learn more about, you know, the characters in the fifth dimension, that sort of stuff. And then they become people we're interested in and, and that maybe does help boost it. But it's an extremely popular ride as it is. It's not like it needs more popularity. I mean it's like an hour wait, two hour wait to begin with. And I'm I'm also curious, you know, Disney doesn't do anything really, it seems, by accident. So is the releasing of this movie a way for them to introduce these characters because and again, this is all speculation. I have no idea when their deal with the Twilight oh, maybe Zone they're is up. Change it. Yeah. yeah, maybe they're they're saying like, hey, if we can get this popular enough, we can sort of phase out the Twilight Zone. So I wouldn't be surprised. So um, people aren't so upset because people do not like when you change yeah. um, the ride. So I wouldn't be surprised. And I assume the movie's still happening. You know, with the writer strike and everything, I feel like a lot of stuff is shuffled around it and iffy in the air but i wouldn't be surprised if the plan for the movie was to have some connection to the society of explorers and adventurers because they've already talked about too this idea of they're going to do more movies on disney plus and more shows about the rides and i think that's kind of where they were going you know this connection i'll say in haunted mansion one of constance hatchaway's husbands is a high tower He's, I believe it's George Hightower. So his relation to Harrison Hightower. So is is he part of the Society of Explorers and Adventures? Like there there's could be links across all of these attractions that I think they could really explore if they wanted to and build up. And then to your point, you make one of these characters in Tower of Terror linked in, it's easy to kind of then switch. Okay, it's not Twilight Zone anymore, but we have this other tie-in that now ties it into Jungle Cruise and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and the high tower hotel and, and all this sort of stuff that everybody's like, Oh wow, this is you know so much more than what, than what I even thought. Big Thunder Mountain doesn't really tie in very well. Cause it's a, it's a complete ghost town ghost train. 
No, but the the owner of the mine it has a tie into Society of Explorers and um, Adventures. Okay. I mean, they all all those original attractions basically they've tied in now with C. Um, they, they've kind of pulled in, in in one way or the other. So, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens. But that wraps up our show for this week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye bye.